All right. Thank you guys again for uh, tuning in. Uh, thank you, Austin and Alyssa, for that. Thank you, Spencer and Nolan in the back. You guys are doing a great job. Uh, before we uh, have our offering prayer, I want to say a couple of things about uh, the offering and just the giving. You, you guys have been so good uh, to continue giving. Uh, you've been incredibly uh, faithful in that regard. Um, and as we, you know, we look at things and we, we listen to the news and kind of pay attention to what's going on, uh, I would say in, in the words of uh, Kevin Costner in uh, that great movie of movies, The Postman, uh, stuff's getting better. Uh, it, it seems that stuff is getting better. You know, we're making progress. Uh, but, but here's the deal. We, we expect, uh, we believe that there could be uh, an ugly tail on the end of this. And, and that tail uh, would be how the economy reacts in the next uh, weeks and months. Uh, and so in that uh, regard, we want to be prepared Again, as I've said in weeks past, we want to be prepared to be a place that can offer help uh, rather than a place that needs help. And so we just uh, ask you and encourage you to continue uh, to give and, and to pray about how you should give and to give generously so that uh, we can help our people uh, uh, in the months to come. So our offering prayer today is from St. Benedict. Gracious and Holy Father, Give me wisdom to perceive you, intelligence to fathom you, patience to wait for you, eyes to behold you, a heart to meditate upon you, and a life to proclaim you through the power of the Spirit of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, again, you can give... Uh, uh, all the different ways that we've mentioned before. You can text to give to the number that's on the screen. Uh, you can download our app and give uh, that way. Uh, you can also mail checks to our post office box that you also see uh, on the screen. And uh, again, thank you for the way that you have continued uh, to give and you've, you've been so faithful in that. I want to read this morning um, from a couple of uh, passages. Uh, the first one is is uh, the Gospel of John, chapter twenty one. Uh, if you want to turn there, and then the second will be Song of Solomon, and so. Uh, you can maybe stick your finger in there and be ready to, to go to it rather quickly. So the uh, Gospel of John 21, and uh, this again is after uh, the resurrection. Uh, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and it happened this way. Simon Peter, uh, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel, from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, uh, Jesus stood on the shore, 
But the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, uh, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Uh, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw fire, burning coals, there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and said and saw that disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked the Lord, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the disciples, among among the brothers, that the disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive, Until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And then from the Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. All night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. 
I will get up now and go about the city through its streets and squares. I will search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, but did not find him. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. I held him and would not let him go till I had brought him to my mother's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. Lord, I pray uh, that you would speak to us this morning. Uh, again, uh, we acknowledge uh, that there is no one uh, within the sound of my voice today who, who really needs to hear from me. Uh, there is no one who really needs to hear from any other person. We, we need to hear from you. We need to hear from you. And so I, I pray, Jesus, uh, that you would, would speak. I pray that we would hear your voice, that you would give us ears to hear uh, what you have to say to us uh, as a church, as your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we've been just walking through the events that happened leading up to Easter, and then we, of course, uh, at Easter, uh, celebrated the resurrection, and now we've in the last few weeks, we've been looking at events that happened, things that took place uh, after the resurrection, before the ascension, leading up to the ascension, the ways, the different times and the different ways that Jesus revealed himself to his disciples and the different ways that he appeared. And here in John 21, we have this story. It's a, a familiar story to many of us uh, of Jesus where he goes to Peter and, and he, he asks him three times, uh, many believe that he asked Jesus, uh, or he asked Peter three times, do you love me, to, to give Peter a chance to uh, atone for the three times that, that he denied him. And that, that could be true. Um, but Jesus shows the disciples earlier in this story, uh, he begins to walk, as he walk, we walk through the story, we see keys. The keys to the kingdom, really, and the keys uh, to following Jesus, the key to harvest, uh, if you will. And the first key that we see is obedience. Um, they've been fishing. They haven't caught anything. Jesus calls out to them and says, have you caught any fish? No, we haven't. And Jesus says, throw your nets on the right side and, and you'll catch. And it's their obedience. They do what Jesus says and that's, that's when they receive the catch. And so key number one, the first key uh, of the harvest, the first key of the kingdom is obedience and Jesus described obedience this way he said that those who love are the ones that obey and those that obey are the ones who love and so the key is not just obedience but the, the first key uh, to the harvest and the first key to the kingdom could also be called love uh, Jesus calls to Peter to go a little bit further and, and Jesus shows Peter uh, the key to the key and the key to the key is love. Uh, Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? And he, and he goes through it three times. Uh, do you love me? And Peter answers him. And the first time he says, you know, I love you. And then the second time he says, you know, I love you. And then the third time, uh, Peter, it says, becomes a little bit frustrated. He's a little disappointed that Jesus would ask three times. And, and, and he says, uh, you know, I love you. Uh, you know everything. 
Uh, you know that I love you. And so the second key is love. So the first key is obedience, but it's really love. And then the second key, the key to the key, is again love. And then uh, Peter expresses uh, to Jesus his concern about John. He wants to know, well, what about, what about John? And so Jesus then again shows to Peter the key to the key to the key. And the key to the key to the key is surrender. Surrender. Jesus says, don't worry about him. You follow me. And another way of describing surrender would be undistracted love. Undistracted love. And so we have three keys. Uh, key number one is love. Key number two is love. And key number three is love. Uh, we are in, I believe, a, a time of, of choosing. We're in a time of choosing. And God has helped us uh, by eliminating many of the things that distract us many of the things that get in the way, many of the things that keep us um, from choosing him. And what I want to say today is that in this time of choosing, don't just choose him because of your fear and don't just choose him uh, because of your needs and don't just choose him because of your anxiety, uh, but give him your heart. Uh, give him your heart. Uh, pandemics happen because we live in a fallen world. Uh, God didn't cause this. Uh, we've said that many times. Uh, God has uh, allowed this. God will use this. Uh, but we live in a fallen world, and that doesn't just mean that we live in, in the midst of fallen humanity. It's not just about sin. Uh, Romans 8.19 says the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed for creation was subject, subjected to frustration not by its own choice but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into glorious freedom of the children of God. And so we live in a fallen world, and that's as long as we are in this fallen world, there will be disease and there will be death um, until the full redemption of all of creation uh, with the return of Christ. And so uh, things like pandemics happen, not because God causes them, but because we live in a world that is being restored. It is being redeemed. Uh, there will be a day when creation will be returned uh, to its original design, its created order. Um, uh, we look at the cross and we put faith in the finished work of the cross. But that redemption is still taking place and will not be brought to fulfillment until Jesus returns. Uh, Song of Solomon 3 verses 1 through 4 uh, describes for us the longing of our hearts for him. Now, uh, I, have, uh, I have a lot of favorite books. Uh, through the years, I have loved 
Francis Frangipane's books. Uh, the first book I read by him was The Three Battlegrounds and loved it. And, and every book I've ever read uh, by Francis I, I have loved. We, we had a chance, had an opportunity, I think it was about 15 years ago, uh, to have Francis come and, and speak at Riverstone. And uh, he's, a, he's a great man. I, I, uh, I asked him at that time, I said, how do you, how do you say your last name? Is it, is it Frangipan or Frangipan or Frangipane? And he said, it's actually, it's Frangipani. Uh, but nobody says it right, so call me whatever you want. And so uh, we're going to call him Francis because it's easier. Uh, but he wrote a book called The House of the Lord. Here, here it is, House of the Lord. So maybe you can see that. And it's one of my favorite books. It's not my favorite, favorite book. But I, what I want to point out about this book is that my absolute favorite chapter of any book that I've ever read is chapter 6 in this book. Chapter 6. Uh, the title of chapter 6 is Unrelenting Love. And I, I love this book and I love chapter 6 so much that I'm going to say this. Get this book and read it. In fact, I want to say that the first five people who email me today, I will have a, a copy of this book in your mailbox by the end of the week. So the first five people um, that's, that's how strongly I feel about this book. So in chapter six in particular, uh, chapter six, unrelenting love. And that's really what I want to talk about today is unrelenting love. Uh, Psalm 53, two says, God has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there is anyone who understands, who seeks after God. There is one true solitary need that we have in this life. Uh, we, we talk about, you know, everybody needs meaning and everybody needs purpose and everybody needs a sense of identity and, and all, all of those things are, are true to an extent, but there is one true solitary need that we have, all of us, and that, that need is we need Jesus. We need Jesus, and, and most of us, in fact, I would say all of us, need more of Jesus. I believe that we tolerate a distance from him that is unnecessary. Uh, there's a gap, a distance that exists between us and him, and, and it's not of his making, uh, and we, we need to figure out how to narrow the gap and eliminate the distance uh, that exists between us and Jesus. Uh, true seeking of God, I believe, is born not out of duty, not out of discipline, but true seeking of God is, is born out of love. Uh, some of you uh, who are watching today don't know him and, and uh, you know that, uh, and, and I know that. And some of you don't know him, and, and you don't know it. Uh, you may know about him. Uh, you may even uh, have been in church most of your life, and some of you even would say that you're students of the Bible, uh, and still you don't actually know him. Uh, others of you know him. You, you know him, you're, you're saved that's for sure, this, this is not about your salvation. 
Your place in heaven is secure, uh, but still uh, there's a distance. And this is not about you so much. It's not about your eternal standing. It's about him. It's about him and it's about whether or not you will live in proximity to him or in intimacy with him. Story goes, and Franz Payne tells it uh, in chapter six of his book, that there was a young man who wanted to know the secrets uh, to life, and he went to a, an older man, uh, a mentor, and uh, said, you know, how, how can I really know God? How can I know God fully? And, and the man took him out into a lake, and when they got about shoulder deep in the lake, the man put his hand on the young man's head, the older man put his hand on the young man's head and he pushed him under the water and he, and he held him there. And, and soon the younger man realized he, he's not going to let me up and, and he's, he needs breath, he needs air and he's, he can't get away and he's flailing and, and finally he gets away and he pushes away from the old man and when he gets his breath, he looks at the older man and, and says, you know, what, what's the deal? You know, what's, what's the meaning of this? And the older man says, when you, desired, when you desire him the way you desired air, you'll find him. When you want him as much as you wanted air, you will find him. I believe that God is calling us. He's calling his church. He's calling his people into that place of undistracted love. And could it be, could it be that has removed during this time, this inconvenient uh, pandemic, could it be that he's, he's using this time to remove uh, so many of the distractions that keep us from that place of undistracted love? Could it be that God is removing distractions just for this, just for uh, a time of unrelenting love. Genuine love for God is an unrelenting hunger. You know, I know some of you are thinking, you know, I'm okay. I'm good. I love Jesus. And uh, I know you do. Uh, I just, I'll just say this, that this week, as I have pondered this and, and, and read these scriptures and, and prayed uh, through this, idea of undistracted love and as I have listened to the whispers of the spirit in my ear my own heart has felt lukewarm in comparison to the possibilities uh, the possibilities with God Jesus said Tom do you love me and I say, of course I do. I pray. I read the Bible. Jesus says, Tom, do you love me? And I say, Lord, you know I love you. I, I pray for the sick. I share my faith. I worship. I worship with my hands up. I, I worship with my eyes closed. Of course, of course I love you. And Jesus says, Tom, do you love me? And I say, Jesus, you alone know. You know all things. Do I? 
And so my message to all of us uh, is find him. Find Jesus and give yourself to him because there is a distance for most of us and it's not of his making. Psalm, Song of Solomon 4 verse 9 says, you have made my heart beat faster, my sister, my bride. You have made my heart beat faster with a single glance of your eyes. You know, the, the good news about this pursuit and this desire to eliminate this distance is that uh, we don't serve a, a God who is aloof and, and who enjoys the distance. Um, he's not distracted. Uh, we serve a God whose love for us is so full and so complete that it causes his heart to race if we even just glance in his direction. We struggle. Hear me out. We struggle to feel fulfilled because we live too far from him. We struggle in our marriages because we live too far from him. We struggle with our children and we struggle with our parents and we struggle with our friends. We even struggle with strangers because we live too far from him. We struggle with habitual sin and addictions because we live too far from him. Could this be a time that he has set aside where he has eliminated so much of what gets in our way so that we could find the place of undistracted love? If we pursue him during this time because of the needs that we have, because we're anxious, because we're afraid, because we don't know what the future holds. If that is the purpose or that is the reason and the motivation behind our pursuit, it's okay if it starts there. But if that is all it ever is, if that is the motivation of our pursuit, it will be temporary. Anything that we find of him will be temporary. But if we can move into the place of love where our pursuit is one of undistracted, unrelenting love, it will change us, and it will change us, I believe, forever. Forever. Otherwise, we will be like Second Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. I, I know that there's a lot to do. 
There's a lot to do. Uh, Jesus has commanded us and, and commissioned us to make disciples. There are millions in the world who haven't heard. Uh, there is a lot to do. Uh, there's food to be collected and, and clothing to be collected and, and missions of mercy to attend to. All of that is important. And I know there's so much to do. But as I read the pages of the gospel, I see one thing that Jesus pointed to and raised above all else. Undistracted, extravagant love for him. Undistracted, extravagant love for him. You see, ultimately, what we need is Jesus. And everything else follows that. Uh, what we need is a deep, intimate, passionate, undistracted love for him. We need more of Jesus. We need to find, we need to find and enter the place of undistracted love. So how do, how do we do that? I think we come to the place that Peter came to at the end of the third question. We come to the place of surrender. We come to the place where we just say, Jesus, I give up. I can't do it. I can't light a fire in my own heart. Jesus wants to ignite a fire of love in you. He wants to do it. He wants to do it in me. He wants us to turn to him, to take our eyes off of everything else, every circumstance in our lives, put our eyes solely on him and say, I need you more than the air that I breathe. Would you ignite in me a fire of undistracted love, of unrelenting hunger for you? Here's the good news. Jesus can burn even wet wood. And so it's not a matter of whether you're good enough. It's not a question of whether you've done enough. It's simply a question of desire. Have you reached a place where your hunger can be satisfied with nothing and no one else except him. I believe, at least for me, that the underlying purpose of this whole thing is that I would return to my first love, love him more than I ever have, move into that place of undistracted love, that place of unrelenting hunger. I think maybe that's the reason for you as well. Now let's pray. Jesus, I pray that everything that you want to do in us would be done. That we would be soft in your hands. We would not resist you. We would not fight against you. We would not push back and say, yeah, but we would just simply say, Jesus, have your way. Have your way. All of me 
that is not yours, take. All of me that is not surrendered, I yield. All of me that has become apathetic and dull, Lord, would you light a fire in me, a fire of undistracted, unrelenting love hunger. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, thank you uh, for watching. Thank you for tuning in and just joining with us and interacting uh, in the service. Uh, we love you guys. We, we miss you. Uh, my belief, though, is, you know, this is seven weeks we've been doing this, seven, seven Sundays. Unbelievable. My, my belief is that when we do come back together, we will be better than we were. We will be better than we were. And we, and we will look back and say, I, I do not regret that time because of what God has done in me and, and everything that, that has been lost and, and much has been lost. People, lives, income, th different things, uh, celebrations that have been canceled, all sorts of things have been lost. I just believe uh, that if we find this place of undistracted love, it will all be worth it. It'll never be the same again. So I look forward to seeing you on that day. Thanks again. See you soon.